In today's episode, we're kicking off our annual Halloween spooktacular a week early with a disturbing folktale about a hunter in West Virginia who made a series of bad decisions that ultimately led to a violent and tragic end. His encounter with this legendary cryptid still sparks fear in the hearts of children and adults living in Appalachia and the southern United States, because whether you believe it or not, it serves as a warning against the very real dangers of isolation and lack of preparation. Before we dive into it, if you're a fan of cryptid folklore and myth, be sure to sacrifice those five-star and follow buttons to the gods to get more messed up content sent to your device every Friday morning. Also, for those listening to this podcast rather than watching it on YouTube, you should know we actually hired an illustrator to help bring this story to life, and you might enjoy experiencing it that way. Per usual, our sound design will be more than enough to pull you into this dark and disturbing tale, but just wanted to throw that out there. Anyway, without further ado, let's dive into today's story. Today's story follows a hunter named Amos Brown. Amos lived in a small town in West Virginia, and every fall season he would take his three dogs, Boone, Maverick, and Otis, into the mountains to hunt. They hunted deer, geese, turkey, foxes, you name it. In some cases, they were just after the pelts, which they would sell at the end of the season, but what Amos and his boys really wanted was the meat. See, Amos had a cabin deep in the mountains that had been in his family for generations, and after spending most of the fall season stocking up on meat and other provisions, he boarded himself up in the cabin to wait out the cold winter months. Between the loot from his hunting season, the small bag of medical supplies, and his three dogs, he had everything he needed to survive. And the best part was, there was no one to bother him for miles around. This was a tradition he looked forward to every year. At the first sign of fall, when the leaves started changing to their fiery red, orange, and yellow, he would load his gear and furry hunting companions into his truck bed and drive the 60 or so miles out of town up to No Man's Ridge. But just like how Amos had his tradition, his neighbors had a tradition of their own to try and convince him that going to the cabin was a bad idea. You see, No Man's Ridge had a reputation for being dangerous to even the most experienced hunters. The terrain up in the mountains was rough, maze-like, and nearly impossible to access in any kind of vehicle. Even Amos had to park his truck miles away from his cabin. Hunters who disappeared there were rarely ever found. Most folks assumed this was because of the harsh conditions, but others claimed the area was haunted by an evil presence. Amos didn't even pretend to appreciate the neighbor's concern. He'd been going out to the ridge since he was a kid, when the cabin belonged to his grandpa, before all of these absurd legends were made up and he knew the area like the back of his hand. Even when they warned him that the usual hunting grounds were surprisingly devoid of any wildlife this year, he shrugged it off. He was the best hunter in town, and he had never come home empty-handed after one of his winter retreats. So on a brisk October morning, he took off into the mountains, as far as his truck could take him anyway. The only accessible path to the cabin was through a narrow ravine that was a little wider than the average shoulder width so he and his dogs would get out and walk the last few miles. He never minded that though. To Amos, that ravine was a portal, and on the other side was his happy place. For the next few weeks, Amos was living in his element, enjoying the fresh autumn air, setting traps throughout the hunting ground, and ending his days by cooking dinner over the fire. But as the weeks went on, he felt a slight concern creeping in the back of his mind. This was the first time in his decade-long tradition of going to the cabin for the winter that he went the first two weeks without catching anything bigger than a rabbit, and before long, even those completely disappeared. 
Rabbits, raccoons, squirrels, possums, none of the usual varmints were anywhere to be found. And even stranger, when he would do his routine check on his traps every morning, he found that a lot of them had been triggered, but none had actually trapped anything. By the time November rolled around, Amos had gone through all of his rations, another first for these cabin trips, and he hadn't seen a critter in at least a week. At his lowest moments, he actually considered going back to town, but whenever he imagined the smug expression on his neighbor's face at being proven right, he forced that possibility out of his mind. Amos was as proud as a lion and stubborn as a mule. He vowed that he would stay at the cabin at least until the first snowfall. If it got to that point and his luck still didn't change, he would head back to town. But his last night in his happy place came a lot sooner than he expected. You see, at this point, Amos had been surviving on roots, walnuts, mice, anything organic that he could share with his dogs. But one night, when he was boiling some roots over the fire, he heard some rustling in the trees. The abruptness of the noise almost made him leap right off his log but his hunter instincts kicked in. This was the first sign of life he'd heard in weeks, and if it was something he could eat, he was going to be ready to pounce. Moving so slowly that he barely appeared to move at all, he picked up his rifle, pulled back the hammer, and rotated one degree at a time until he was facing the direction the noise came from. In the darkness of the night, the only detail he could make out about the creature was its eyes. It may have been the firelight playing tricks on him, but he could have sworn they were glowing red. Amos rested the butt of the gun against his shoulder, looked down his sights, and took a deep breath to keep his aim steady. Then, he fired a single shot in the creature's direction. The hunter heard a wailing sound unlike anything he'd heard before, and suddenly the eyes disappeared, but sitting before him was its tail, bloody and warm where the bullet had torn through it. Strangely, Amos couldn't figure out what animal the tail came from. The long, hairy thing almost appeared to be a wolf's tail, but wolves hadn't been seen in West Virginia in decades. Amos's puzzlement soon took a back seat to his hunger. Realizing this was the most meat he'd seen in weeks, he quickly sheared the thing's hair off, boiled it in the pot for a few minutes, and devoured it as quickly as its owner had disappeared. And don't worry, he chopped off three small pieces to give to his dogs, too. For now, Amos was happy, and more importantly, full. He, Boone, Maverick, and Otis made their way into the cabin and went straight to sleep, forgetting all about the enemy they just made. It wasn't long before Amos woke up to the sound of scratching at his front door. But before we investigate the source of that scratching, I want to pause and thank our sponsor Squarespace for supporting the show. Squarespace gives creators, entrepreneurs, and go-getters the tools to build beautiful websites easily, efficiently, and affordably. From their nearly endless library of award-winning design templates to their intuitive interface that lets you drag and drop boxes as needed, Squarespace has all the answers for those looking to share their passions with the world and to grow your business. Business owners can manage their inventory, creators can house exclusive content their audience pays to access, and all of these features are supported by Squarespace. Squarespace's wicked smart customer support team that's available 24-7. So if you want to join me and the thousands of mere mortals who made our dreams a reality, just go to squarespace.com slash johnsolo to start a completely free trial. And when your site is ready for launch, use code johnsolo to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
I know, that was kind of mean of me, but it was like 50 seconds. Did it really kill ya? Let's get back to the story. Amos had been sound asleep for a few hours when he woke up to the sound of scratching at his front door. At first, he tried to ignore it, writing it off as the wind causing the nearby trees to brush against it, but soon that scratching turned into thumping like something was throwing its body against the door. Amos had finally had enough. He was going to investigate, but the moment he sat up, he froze. Watching him from the foot of his bed were two glowing eyes, the same eyes that he'd seen by the campfire. But even at this close distance, he couldn't make out the creature they belonged to. It had pointed ears and ratty looking fur, but with the darkness and most of it obscured behind the end of his bed, he had no idea how big this creature was. Suddenly, he heard a voice, an almost human voice that should have been impossible for any animal to emulate, but it seemed to be coming from this thing at the end of his bed. The voice said to him, I want my taily pole. This nightmarish noise sent all three dogs into attack mode. Sensing their master was in danger, they pounced on the creature. The thing was fast though. It darted out the front door and the hounds gave chase into the darkness of the forest. A few minutes passed, although to Amos it felt like hours, before his dogs returned. Only one was missing. Maverick, the youngest of the three, who recently started taking point on their hunts, hadn't come back and the looks on Boone and Otis's face told Amos that he wasn't going to. The hunter beckoned his boys back to the cabin, shut the door, and pushed his dresser in front of it. He considered making a run for his truck, but it was miles away on the other side of the ravine. Not to mention, he couldn't see a thing beyond the light of the cabin. Even with his knowledge of the forest, a flashlight, and two loyal companions, trying to make a run for it now would be too dangerous. Whatever this beast was, it had the advantage out there. So he resolved to lock down the cabin until the sun came up and leave in the morning. With the doors and windows secured and his gun propped up against the nightstand, Amos laid back in bed, ready and waiting for the next bump in the night. A few hours passed before anything more happened. Amos was finally calming down and about to let himself have some shut-eye when almost on cue, he was startled awake by the sound of scratching. But this time, it wasn't at the door. The scratching was making its way across the floor. Amos opened his eyes just in time to see the creature climbing over the footboard. He felt the weight of its heavy hand on his legs and was about to scream for his dogs when it whispered, Give me my taily poe. At that moment, he was so frozen with fear that he couldn't respond. And when he finally did find his voice, it was impossible for his mouth to form words. Instead of giving his dogs a command, he just screamed. But they knew what that meant all the same. Their master was in trouble, and in a flash, they had risen for the attack. Once again, they chased the creature out the door, which had somehow been pushed open earlier without any of them being alerted. And once again, Amos waited at the entryway with his gun at the ready, hoping that his dogs would return, but preparing himself in case they didn't. This time, only one creature came out of those woods. Boone his oldest and most faithful companion. He was filthy and scratched up with a terrified look in his eye that Amos had never seen before. They went back inside the cabin, poured a drink in memory of Otis, and laid in bed. There was no chance of falling asleep now, but Amos figured that if they were gonna die tonight, they should spend their last few moments in comfort. They didn't have to wait long for the familiar scratching sound to return, but this time they were ready. The creature had barely made it into the doorway before Amos unloaded his rifle in its direction. 
but somehow not one of his shots landed. When Boone saw the creature wasn't phased, he tried to bring it down himself, but the old boy wasn't the spry young attack dog that he once was and was easily overpowered by this otherworldly beast. With his gun empty, companions dead, and no other weapons within arm's reach, Amos sat still in his bed, in total disbelief that this wasn't all a dream and that his story was really about to end. When the monster had finished mutilating old Boone, it turned its sights toward Amos, and sensing his vulnerability, made no rush to put an end to his nightmare. As it lumbered toward him, the light of a nearby lantern shone on it, and for the first time all night, Amos got a clear look at his attacker. Its body was similar to a wolf in shape and size, but its movements resembled a cat, and its claws appeared human-like, able to grip the bedposts as it pulled itself onto his bed. But most terrifying of all was its face. It didn't have one. There was no fur or skin, just blood and bone, as if someone had peeled it off, and its glowing red eyes sat comfortable in its sockets. You have my taily pole. Give me my taily pole. Amos had finally had enough. I don't have your damn taily pole. He snapped. I ate it. It's gone forever. But the monster's expressionless face didn't change. You ate my taily pole. You have my taily pole. Suddenly, Amos realized what the creature meant. The Talipo wasn't technically gone, it was in his stomach. He felt the creature's heavy hands pressed against his gut and then tear through his flesh. Amos let out a blood-curdling scream as those razor-sharp claws went deeper and deeper into his innards, slashing wildly to open him up as much as possible. In the end, old Amos Brown was split completely in two, spinal cord and all, and it was not a quick death. As he bled out over his bedsheets, he could feel the creature searching through his innards, and the last sight he saw was the toothy grin of its fleshless face as it held out its prize. My taily pole. I have my taily pole. And that was the very messed up tale of the taily pole. Pun kind of intended. For those who'd never heard of this creature before, the Taily Poe is a lesser-known cryptid from Appalachian folklore, born out of the very real fears of isolation and lack of preparation. If old Amos Brown had just put his pride aside and listened to his neighbors, he might have survived, either by bringing a bigger stockpile of rations or by not going to the cabin at all. It was his pride, arrogance, and refusal to adapt that caused his downfall, so remember that lesson. Also, if you can help it, Try not to eat any tails if you don't know what animal they belong to. Pro tip. I hope you like this story though, because I wrote it myself. I followed the usual format of the folktale, of course, which had been passed around for generations, but all of the details were original. I hope to speak with you again next Friday when we dive into some scary stories to tell in the dark. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first.